Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Matt, if we haven't met, and I'd love to talk with you, get to know you a little bit if we haven't met. Um, the pastor here, uh, lead pastor, and um, excited and, and uh, trembling a bit to, to give this message to you this morning. We're in Proverbs, and we're in chapters 10 through 30, and those chapters, if you've ever read it, are, are kind of scattered. Um, as far as the themes go, and so we're taking it more thematically. And last week, uh, we talked about pride and humility, um, which, who wants to give a message on that? Because no one feels qualified, right? Well, this week, you know, we'll just make it a little easier. Anger, right? We'll just talk about something else that, that I don't struggle with ever, uh, wait, every day. Um, so I feel pretty unqualified to give this message, so I'm going to lean heavily on some other resources, and most of all, we're going to, we're going to learn what we need to know about anger from the Word of God. So, Alistair Groves wrote a book called Untangling Emotions, which I would highly recommend, and I got to hear him in person talk about this a bit at a conference recently, um, and he gave two popular ways that people treat emotions. And the first one is this. It's to embrace emotions fully. This mindset is our culture right now. Embrace emotions at all costs. Worship emotions. Feeling good is all that matters. He terms it emotiolatry, the idolatry of emotions, making them God. It says something like this. What you feel is the most important thing about you. He says in his book, it's like we live in an airport terminal with a loudspeaker blaring over the babble of all the other conversations, informing us that our feelings are the most important thing in the room. And we're instructed to handle this fragile baggage by expressing our emotions to the fullest, no matter what others may think, or rearranging the furniture around us to make space for them. And we applaud the courage of those who refuse to silently accept the world as it is. That's our culture. Emotions are God. Emotions are king. A second popular view is to squash your emotions. This view uh, is like this. It goes, emotions? I think I had one of those back in 1995. Right? <laughs> uh, which is interesting, by the way, especially you men out there. Where they go, I'm not emotional. You know what my next question to someone is? Is really, did you get angry this past week? Well, that's a, no, that's an emotion, a very strong emotion. <laughs> but squashing emotions says something like this. Emotions ought to be treated like a stray rabid dog that's wandered into your living room. You get it out of there it's all, at all costs, right? Don't ever, and certainly don't ever trust your emotions. Rational thought always has to be the driver. That's what this school of thought says. When you feel something, suck it up, rub some dirt on it, and move on. This, unfortunately, is often tied to conservative Christian circles. So you have on one end of the spectrum, embrace them fully, make them your God, or you have just shove them down, squash them, and act like they don't exist. And both are unhealthy, ungodly, and unbiblical ways to treat your emotions. And they're both unhealthy, ungodly, and unbiblical ways to treat Anger. Anger is not inherently a bad emotion. 
what we do with our feeling of anger can be very much right or wrong, sinful. What we are angry about can be very much right or wrong, but the feeling of anger is not necessarily wrong in and of itself. And that may go against all sorts of things that you've been taught in life. But I want to show you this in Scripture. You might be like, what? I don't know if I believe you. Well, we're going to look at these Proverbs, and all throughout Proverbs, it tells us how to handle anger, but none of them label anger itself as bad. And that's the consistent message of Scripture. Maybe you're familiar with Ephesians 4.26, which says, Be angry and do not sin. It says, be angry, but don't sin in your anger. James 1.19 says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That doesn't mean slow to feel anger. It means slow to act on your anger. Jesus got angry on occasion. We just went through the book of Luke before jumping into Proverbs, and we saw him turning over tables in the temple. If that's not anger, I don't know what is. What is anger, though? Alistair Groves says it like this. Very simply, anger says that is wrong. That's all it is. You're just going, that thing, that's wrong. That's not okay. He says, your, your heart is observing the scene before you and crying out that something you love is being treated unjustly. Anger is born out of a love and a care for something or someone that you dearly care about. You're standing up for something. You're protecting something or someone. And what makes our anger right or wrong is the object of our protection. Are we protecting and caring for something that God loves? See, that's good, righteous anger. So let me use an example that might go against your, your thinking for a second. So imagine you get angry over, over a person who runs a stoplight. Sure, you've never done that, right? You get angry because someone runs a spotlight. See, if you, if you just stop right there, God loves order, and he put local authorities over us in place to place that stoplight there. So it's actually right to be angry when someone violates a traffic law. That's good. Your actions from there can be very sinful and very wrong, and I'm sure we've all been there, right? But that feeling of, oh, that's not right, that's good, or it starts out as good. Where you go from there is what makes it right or wrong. So are we protecting and caring for something that God loves? Or, on the other hand, are we, are, is our anger um, protecting or caring for something selfish? That would be unrighteous, wrong anger. Imagine you get, you get home and you're angry because supper is not ready the moment you walk into your house. That is protecting and caring for your stomach more than your spouse. That is not right anger. That is ungodly anger. You have no idea what's gone on at home, right? And selfishly, all you want is your food right now. It's selfish. What makes our anger right or wrong is the object of our protection? Are we protecting and caring for something God loves? That's right. Or are we protecting and caring for something selfish? That's wrong. Again, simply put, anger just says that thing is wrong. That's wrong. And a side note, frustration is the more socially acceptable, like Christian 
swear word, so to speak, for anger. If you're frustrated, you're angry. Just call it what it is. You do not have to be blowing up at a 10 to be angry. You get angry about things all the time. I think it's good and healthy to just call it that instead of saying, oh, I'm just a little frustrated. No, you're angry, okay? That's, that's okay. It is not bad to be angry necessarily. Where we go from there, different story. So what do we do with our anger? Fully embracing it will produce mass destruction. I'm sure you've experienced that firsthand in your life. But squashing it and stuffing it will also produce destruction long term because eventually you'll just blow up like shaking a pop bottle eventually so what's the healthy god-honoring alternative and that's to engage anger let's look at scripture proverbs 16 32 says this patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city See what this is saying? Controlling our emotions or engaging our emotions, engaging anger, not embracing it, not squashing it, engaging it, recognizing it, and dealing with it appropriately. This is the way of wisdom. Let's look at some more scripture. How do we engage our anger? How do we do do that? The first thing and most important thing is that we slow down. We slow down. Proverbs 14, 29 A patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. 15.18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms strife. 16.32, patience is better than power in controlling one's emotions and capturing a city. Did you hear that in those scriptures? I think we have them up there too. Yeah, just leave these up here. So, The key to engaging our anger is slowing down. You know, Alistair says in his book, anger wants results fast. If you find yourself just quick to the punch, you're not going in a good direction with your anger. Slow down. 1429, it says here, patience. And it contrasts it with being quick-tempered. It has to do with the pace, the timing, slowing down versus acting really fast. 1518 here says, you slow to anger. If you're slow to anger, you calm strife. That word in Hebrew for slow to anger is often translated patient, which you see in these other verses. 16.32, it says, patience is better than power. The antidote to uncontrolled emotions and uncontrolled anger is patience. This is how God engages anger as well. We see throughout the Bible that he is slow to anger. Exodus 34, 6 says this, the Lord passed in front of him, in front of Moses, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Nehemiah 9, 17, but you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love, and you did not abandon them. Psalm 86, 15, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. And Joel 2, 13, tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, 
abounding in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. And Jonah 4, 2, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love, the one who relents from sending disaster. See, God is slow to anger. He's slow to act on his always perfect, righteous, good anger. So how much more should we be slow to act on our often unrighteous, ungodly anger. And you might be thinking at this point, Matt, duh, be patient. Great, but when I'm angry, it's really hard to be patient. It's hard to slow down when I'm frustrated. The problem is I don't, I don't know what to do with my anger even if I did slow down. And so I want to propose to you three ways to slow down and engage anger. And this is loosely based off what we find in this book as well. Number one, vent to God. Vent to God. Psalm 62 invites us to pour out our hearts to God. All of Psalms are people giving full vent to their anger to God without holding back. In fact, you read it and you're like, whoa, that's in scripture? Like, can he can he say that? You know, you just kind of are taken aback by it. But this is the invitation from God to vent to him when we're angry. Before we ask for help from God, because that's what we want to do. God, help me just not be angry. Instead of doing that, we just say, God, I'm angry right now. And with other emotions too, God, I am anxious. God, I'm afraid Right, All of these bad emotions, why are we not coming to God and going, God, I'm feeling this right now. You know that I'm feeling this right now. It's no surprise to you. You're God. You you knew I was going to feel angry right now before I was even born. So why would that surprise him? So we vent it to him. We cry out to him before we're saying, God, help, which we need to get to, right? But first we go, God, this is where I'm at. You need a healthy space in your life to vent to God. I've been, I've been running daily lately, and it's not because I like running. I actually don't like running. But it's really good and healthy for me, and it's helped me grow in patience and slowing down because a lot of the time when I'm running, I'm venting to God about things. There's just something about just... just as I'm pounding out those steps, just kind of getting that stuff out. Usually, running straight to other people is actually really unhealthy. It often results in gossip and slander and all sorts of terrible things. But God already knows the situation. And he knows your anger. He can handle it. Pour out your heart to him. So one, vent to God. Second, ask, why am I angry? Why am I angry? Or put another way, what wrong am I perceiving? Or you could say it like this, I'm angry because blank, fill in the blank. Don't make judgments yet. We want to just make snap judgments about ourselves. I'm angry about this and I'm right to be angry about it. Or we're like, I'm angry and I'm not right. I'm not okay right now. Well, stop and just ask, why am I angry? Find the source. What are you mad at or who are you mad at and why this seemingly oversimplistic step actually helps us see straight think about it like this imagine you trip 
on a crack in the sidewalk that your neighbor has neglected to fix for years, and you skin your knee, okay, you would answer this question and go, why am I angry? You go, I'm mad at my neighbor because the crack in their sidewalk caused me to trip. Notice that before we even get to evaluation, which is the third step to evaluate, we can see just by articulating the why and the what of our anger how maybe foolish our anger already is. It, it gives us, it gives us a, 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 some clarity into figuring out what's going on before we even get to evaluation, right? Obviously, there's more involved than just my neighbor here if I tripped on that crack in the sidewalk, right? We start to kind of own our own stuff and see things a little more clearly, which leads to the third one, which is evaluate. Am I upset about what God is upset about? And sometimes you can tell this right away, if it's a godly or if it's a selfish thing. But most of the time, I think our anger is a mix of like godly anger and selfish anger. So let me give you a totally hypothetical example. Okay, maybe not so hypothetical, but imagine your child wakes up an hour after you put them to bed and you're watching a movie and you're angry. Now, you could have good godly anger in that moment because you care and love for them and want them to get a good night of sleep because they have school tomorrow. Or you could have a selfish anger which is, I care and love for my comfort and want to watch this movie undisturbed. You see, you see the difference? It's subtle, but it's very different. And I think this, this did happen to me recently. And I remember having both of those thoughts, feeling both of those types of anger kind of simultaneously. Some of the time it's even hard to discern when you're, when you're frustrated that your house is always a mess right after you clean it, right? When you're mad with your spouse's snoring. I'm sure that doesn't happen to any of you. Um, when you're upset about your kids chewing really loudly. When you're livid with, with stupid drivers. When you're, when you're angry. When your kids leave their laundry that you washed and folded for them on the table for literally days and they're too lazy to put it away. It's often hard to evaluate our anger because it's too close to us. We can't, we can't see it clearly. And so I think after we've taken some step, steps and we've done some honest evaluation, we've vented to God, we've tried to figure it out, I think there is a time and a place to call other people in and get some help. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail when there's no counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. I think sometimes we need some help to even try to discern, is this good anger or not? And what we often find when people help us out is that we're way less justified in our anger than we thought. They help us discover the logs in our own eye, as Jesus says, before we start nitpicking at the splinter in our neighbor's eye. So we need to slow down. That's how we engage anger. We slow down by venting to God, by asking why am I angry, and we evaluate. Am I upset about what God is upset about? And then secondly, we slow down and then we take controlled action. We do something. Let's look again at Proverbs. Proverbs 14.29 says, A patient person shows great understanding, 
but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. 15.18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms strife. And 29.11, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. These are contrasting actions here in these verses. We see uncontrolled anger in these verses. Uncontrolled anger and action produces foolishness, stirs up conflict, gives full vent to their anger. When you don't slow down and you just react when you're angry, boom, a bomb goes off. Chaos, mass destruction. But here's the contrasting action. A controlled action shows great understanding. A controlled action calms a situation and calms strife. And a controlled action holds it, anger, in check. When you slow down and you process your anger and you evaluate it honestly, good, godly actions result. Now, what what types of controlled reactions should we have? Well, we have to go back to our evaluation. If you evaluate your anger and realize, oh, this is ungodly, selfish, unrighteous anger, then the controlled action that we need to have first is to repent, to confess to God that this is not okay. And maybe you even need to go to others that your anger exploded on and confess to them. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. So you go to God and say, God, I, I'm sorry for being so self-focused here. I'm sorry for being upset about something that you actually hate. And maybe you go to others that you've mistreated and you apologize. And we all know not all apologies are created equal, right? You can go and go, I'm sorry, right? Sorry. Or you can go, I am so sorry for this and for this and that I hurt you there. See, those are very different. You know, many of you know we're where uh, our men's Bible study is going to go through Ken Sandy's The Peacemaker and one of our women's Bible studies as well. And he has these, these seven A's of biblical confession that I wanted to share with you. See, when we're repenting of our unrighteous anger, this can be really helpful. So one, um, do we got those? Seven, eight, there we go. Number one, address everyone involved. All those you've affected, go to everyone. Number two, avoid if, but, and maybe. And if you are married, just live that out and your marriage is going to get ten times better overnight, okay? Don't go, I'm sorry, but I intended... No, 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 no. I'm sorry. (laughs) Leave it there. Goes a long ways. Trust me, I've learned the hard way. Number three, admit specifically. You might be thinking, I don't really have a log in my own eye. I don't have anything to own here. Really, what's your attitude been like this whole time? You may have some very sinful attitudes to own in this situation. Acknowledge the hurt. See, I I, I have this with my kids all the time. My kids inadvertently hurt each other all the time. And so we're always teaching them, hey, we need to apologize even if you didn't mean to. You know, it's very basic, but it's really hard to live out as adults because we hurt people without even knowing it all the time. And even those things we need to confess. 
me to repent of to our brothers and sisters. Number five, accept the consequences. Maybe there's some things that you need to do. Some things that you need to do to make things right. And then number six, alter your behavior. Don't just apologize. Work on that. The help of the Holy Spirit. Work on those things. Don't don't just keep doing the same thing over and over and being crazy. Number seven, ask for forgiveness. Actually say those words. Can you please forgive me? Goes a long ways. Genuine, thought out repentance and confession from unrighteous anger acknowledges that our anger, our unrighteous anger is sinful and it has to be treated that way. When we live out this verse, Proverbs 28, 13, and confess and renounce our sinful anger, we will find mercy and healing. Here's an idea. Start at home. Maybe with your spouse, with your kids, with your roommates. Just just think how the whole atmosphere of your home would start to change if you humbled yourself and owned ungodly anger. So, repent if you have unrighteous anger. But if you have righteous anger, what should you do? Do something with righteous anger with the fruit of the Spirit. We see in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So let's go back to that hypothetical situation of the child waking up after you put them to bed while you're watching a movie. See, you could let that anger, right, which is love and care for them and their well-being and them wanting to do well at school tomorrow, fuel you to go pray with them, tuck them in, cuddle with them, sing a song to them. Your anger just produced something great. God is righteously angry at our sin. So, he displayed the ultimate act of controlled action when angry by pouring out all of his anger towards our sin on Jesus Christ on the cross. And so, because he did that, healing and restoration and salvation is offered to anyone who would repent of their sin and believe in Jesus. See, this display of God's anger was out of love and care for us. Righteous anger acted on in a controlled manner produces incredible healing and restoration. Author Paul Tripp says this about righteous anger. In a fallen world, people of character and conscience will always be angry. Perhaps our problem regarding anger is not just that we are often angry for the wrong reasons, but that we are not angry enough for the right reasons. Perhaps our problem is that things that should make us angry and thereby move us to action just don't make us angry anymore. So we get used to political corruption. We get used to homelessness. We get used to the perverse morals of the entertainment industry. We get used to how many broken families are around us. We get used to the daily reports of suffering and disease that infect every continent on the globe. We get used to the fact that the church is often a place of compromise and division. We get used to our own complacency and hypocrisy. We get used to marital stresses and childhood rebellion. We get used to a world that has been broken by sin. And things that should distress, concern, and upset us, 
become the things we either no longer see or that we've become used to. Imagine the restoration and healing that would happen in our world, that we could bring to our world with the power of God if instead of squashing our anger and burying it deep down or fully embracing it, we engaged our anger, slowed down, and acted in a controlled, restorative way. Imagine, church, what this world could look like. Imagine what our city could look like, our church Imagine the vast amount of restoration that could happen if our hearts would break for the things that break God's heart to the point of action. So I just want to stop and acknowledge that slowing down when you're angry is really, 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 really hard without the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us, when you repent of your sins and follow Jesus. So my first question to you today is, have you done that? Do you believe in Jesus? Have you you confessed your sin and said, Jesus, I am a sinner and I fall way short of your standard and because of that, I deserve hell. But I know that you went to the cross and you died for my sins and rose from the dead so that I can be in heaven with you someday and enjoy a relationship with you right now? Have you done that? Because if you haven't, you're, go- you're not going to be able to conquer anger in your life. You'll have little victories, at least seeming victory on the surface. But without God himself living inside of you, you don't have a shot. And so I beg you, if, that, if that's where you're at, trust in him. If you do have the Holy Spirit, who's called the helper In John, he is right there all the time, ready and excited to help you in the midst of your anger. But it's still really hard, isn't it? I mean, God in his providence had it that our family took a camping trip. We always tent camp one night of the year um, because, well, it's terrible sleep, so that's all Heather and I will allow. But we, we enjoy tent camping, kind of. So we get out there and have that experience with our kids, but we did that Friday night, and it was like God going, you're going to give a message on anger, Matt. Let's see if you can live this stuff out. And I think I've added 50-50, if I'm just honest about that trip. 75? Oh, wow. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. I'll ta- Wait, which way? <laughs> uh, yes, okay, there we go. Um, never mind. Uh, but we really, 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 really need the Holy Spirit's help in those moments because it's hard. It is hard to stop and slow down and evaluate, right, and go and invent to God and do all these things that I just said and then act in that split second in a restorative way when your child comes down in the middle of the night. So I want to pray this prayer from Ephesians 3 over you. And worship team, you can come on up now. I want to pray this prayer from Ephesians 3 over you. And then I want to give you some time to just pray and ask God for help with anger this week. So let me pray for you. I pray that Jesus may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit. 
and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now just right now, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I just invite you, if you feel comfortable, to just have your hands open like, like this, like you're receiving a gift, and just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Just in the quiet of your soul, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, come fill me. Just pray that on your own. Fill me with your Spirit. Strengthen me, Holy Spirit. So I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, even with our anger, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.